And hopefully you're open to that scripture reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Every last little single individual thing that you and I need to know and to do in order to be saved and in order to stand perfect and complete before God in heaven on judgment day is found within the word of God everything 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 Jesus had already made this very clear in his personal ministry in places like John 12 and verse 48 when he said he who rejects me and does not receive my words <clears throat> excuse me and by the way that's the same thing if you don't receive Jesus words you haven't received Jesus you cannot have Jesus as Lord and King unless you're willing to obey his commands so Jesus said again in John 12 48 he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him on I'm sorry has that which judges him the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day we're going to be judged solely upon the authority of the scriptures Jesus also said in John 15 and verse 10 if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love and finally in John 17 and verse 17 Jesus prayed sanctify or set them apart by your truth your word is truth and there's a host of others but that same divine truth that serves as the centerpiece for this morning's sermon, that same divine truth that every single, little, individual thing that we need to know and that we need to do in order to be saved and to stand perfect and complete before God Almighty on Judgment Day is found within the pages of His Holy Word, that truth that's echoed in other places for example it's reinforced once again by the divinely inspired pen of the Apostle Peter when he says in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given notice that was past tense in the first century there's nothing else coming. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. Right there in that very statement, Peter says, everything that anybody will ever need to know in order to stand before God had already been given to those first century Christians. It was the revelation of God's reveal of God's total will. The New Testament. Once the New Testament was written, there was nothing else that pertains to life and godliness that was going to come. They had all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's divine power had given it to them in the first century. And it all comes through the knowledge of God. Okay. 
So having reinforced that from several different places in the scriptures, the eternally important question this morning for us to consider then becomes, how can anybody who claims that they believe the Bible, which repeatedly states the fact that every last single little individual thing we need to know and do in order to stand before God on Judgment Day perfect and complete, how can anybody who claims to believe the Bible, which says that, then turn right around and forsake the assembly of the one church which is found within these pages to go attend a church that is instead never ever even once seen named mentioned hinted at or alluded to within the pages of this text that they say they believe in. Do you see what I'm saying? They say they believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. Yes, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible's the Word of God. I believe the Bible's truth. Bible says that everything that we will ever need to know to stand before God completes right there in its pages. Does that include the name of His church? Does that include the doctrine of His church? Does that include everything we need to know to stand complete before? Yes. So how can somebody who claims to believe that to believe that Bible that says that, then turn right around and go to a worship group or a church that's never found in those pages that contain everything that we'll ever need. How can they go in and practice worship which is not found or else is found contradicted in that Bible that contains everything we'll ever need? How can they do that? And the answer is that they do not understand and we need to find a way to teach them this, brethren. They do not understand God's biblical definition of faith and what faith truly consists of according to God. A simple but biblically accurate definition of faith is... Learning who God is and what He said and then trusting Him enough to do what He said because of who He is. This is a very biblically based definition of what true faith truly is. The first part of this very simple biblical definition of what real God-approved and defined faith truly consists of, that first part can be verified by Romans 10 and verse 17. The first part of our definition that is biblically based is learning who God is and what He said. In Romans 10, 17, the scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, when we look into the Word of God, we read through the stories, and we see God's almighty providence, and we see His knowledge, and we see how He redeemed for Himself a people. That's where our faith comes from. That's where we learn to trust God. When we see how God has always dealt with people, and His love, and His mercy, and His compassion, 
That's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, we get in there and we see all of that, and that's where our faith in God begins to develop. But notice that it's that scripture itself, Romans 10, 17, says that's where faith comes from. But that does not say that that is the complete picture of what faith is. It comes from getting into God's Word, learning who He is and what He said. That's where it comes from. But just because that's where it comes from does not mean that that is the whole and entire picture or definition of what faith is. I come from Maine. But there's been other parts of my life since then that make up the whole of who I am. Just because something comes from somewhere, that's where it originates, but that's not the whole story. Brethren, understand this. Simply learning who God is and what He said by itself is not faith. Let me say it again. Simply learning who God is or knowing who God is and knowing what He said by itself, that's not faith. Otherwise, both Satan and his demonic servants could surely be said to have faith, to be faithful, and to be saved. Because Satan and his servants know exactly who God is, don't they? They know exactly who God is, and they know exactly what God said between Satan and his servants. We see this in scriptures such as Genesis 3 and verse 1. We see it in Matthew 4 verses 5 and 6 where Satan quotes scripture to Jesus. We see it in Mark chapter 5 verses 1 through 13 where the demons recognize exactly who Jesus is. And we see it in James 2 verses 19 through 24 that even the demons believe in God. But that doesn't make them faithful, does it? Simply knowing who God is and what He said by itself does not constitute the full definition of what faith is. In fact, turn with me to that James 2 passage this morning. Would you please, James chapter 2? Because if you turn to James 2 with me, you will see the second part of our definition simplified. Our simplified definition of what real God-approved and defined faith truly is and consists of. James 2 beginning at verse 19, says, You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe. See, they believe in God, but they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? It's an incomplete picture if you just say you have faith and you have no works. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith, that is, knowing who God is and what he wanted, was working together with his works, there was more to it than that, and by works faith was made perfect or complete? The definition was completed. Completed. 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then, James writes in verse 24, that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And when he says not by faith only, what he's talking about is a faith that simply knows who God is and what he said, like the demons have. That's not going to get you anywhere. There's more to the definition than that. Likewise was not Rahab, verse 25, the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. If there's not an action as part of your faith, then it's not biblical faith. It's not truly faith. If there is not more to the definition than simply knowing what God said and who He is, if there's not action involved based on that, then that's not faith. James says that's dead. That, that's just not getting the job done. That's not it. And so we see that faith is learning who God is and what He said, Romans 10, 17, and then trusting Him enough to do what He said because of who He is. That's faith. That's faith. That is exactly, precisely, what made Abraham the father of us all according to Romans chapter 4. He believed God even though, you know, they were so old and everything. He believed God and he was strengthened in faith and he trusted that God was able to still give them a son. And he went on from there and... The, the whole idea there is he did more than just know who God was and what he said. He trusted him completely. In fact, that is what made all of the faithful mentioned in Hebrews 11 considered faithful and pleasing to God. Turn to me to Hebrews 11. Back up a few pages in your Bible from James 2 to Hebrews 11. All of the faithful mentioned in Hebrews 11 were considered worthy, faithful, in pleasing to God. You want to be considered worthy when you stand before God on Judgment Day? None of us are worthy, but do you want to be considered that? I do. Do you want to be considered faithful? Do you want to hear God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do you want to hear that? I want to hear that. Do you want to be pleasing to God? Do you want God to, you want to be just that pleasing aroma where God goes, Oh boy, I got a good one right there. Let me tell you what, just like my servant Job, he's, he's one of the good. Do you want to be pleasing to God? Well, if you want to be considered worthy and faithful and pleasing to God, then you must have the full definition of faith. That's what happened to these people in Hebrews 11. Let's take a look at Hebrews 11. And we'll see that these people listened carefully to what God said. And then they did exactly what he said. Because they loved and trusted and recognized who he was. Thus, they were considered faithful. That's what being faithful is. It is exactly this sort of... This complete sort of faith which sets the righteous apart from the unrighteous. Did you know that? It is this complete definition of faith that in God's book separates the righteous from the unrighteous. We're going to see that right here in our text. 
Let's begin actually in Hebrews 10 and verse 36. We'll start in Hebrews 10, 36, then we'll move into chapter 11. 10, 36. The writer of Hebrews says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You see that word done right there? There was action that had to happen. It wasn't just that they knew who God was. It wasn't just that they knew what God said. But they had to trust Him enough to have done the will of God in order to receive the promise. They had the complete definition of faith. This is what living by faith is about. It's far more than just hearing and learning and knowing what God wants. Folks, Satan and his servants do that. When you come to church on Sunday, when you come to Bible class on Sunday or Wednesday, when you come to worship on Sunday, when you are at home and you study your Bible, if you only know who God is and what He said, but you don't go do it, then you're not living what God considers a faithful, worthy, and pleasing life. We see that in this passage. Hebrews 10, verses 37 and 8 say this, For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Other versions, like the American Standard and English Standard Version in verse 38, say this. They say, But my righteous one shall live by faith. In fact, both of those translations, the American Standard Version and English Standard Version, in Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11, contain that same phrase, the righteous shall live by faith. The New King James says the just, same idea, but I like that word righteous. The righteous shall live by faith. Folks, living by faith is what separates the righteous from the unrighteous. The righteous will live. Notice it doesn't just say they'll learn it. They'll learn who God is and what He wants. They will live that way daily. The righteous, this is what defines them, shall act, they shall live, they shall be by faith. Everything they do, they will do by faith. But it's a doing. It's more than just a knowing. We see also in the New King James Version as we move on into Hebrews 11, look at verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and, and through it he being dead still speaks. Do you see there in verse 4, the New King James there uses the word righteous. Again, it's the same thing. The just or the righteous are those who live by faith. Those who know who God is, or learn who God is, they learn who He is, they know who He is, they learn what He said, and then they do it. That is what Abel did. Now, we know that there's no place in Scripture in the Old Testament where we can point exactly to where God told him exactly what to offer, but we know... From Romans 10, 17, the faith comes by hearing the word of God. So in order for him to have done this by faith, God had to have told him what he wanted. It's that simple. There's no other way to look at that. It's the same with Enoch. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death 
and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh, I'm telling you, brethren. What a beautiful comment on somebody's life, isn't it? How would you like the comment on your life to be in the divinely inspired eternal record, so-and-so pleased God? Wouldn't that be awesome? That's what Enoch had. Well, how did he please God? How, how did he do it? I mean, I want to be like Enoch. I want to please God. How did Enoch please God? How did that all work? What, what did he do? Look at verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Okay, so Enoch pleased God. We know that he couldn't have pleased him without faith. So we know that the way Enoch pleased him was to have faith. Well, define faith for me. Okay. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Aha, that's what Enoch must have done right there. Couldn't have pleased him without faith, but he did please him. And here's the definition of faith. You see, Enoch was indeed a man of faith. Enoch was a man who knew God and knew what he said. And he trusted him enough to do what he said. If you go back and look at the story of Enoch in the Old Testament, you'll see that Enoch walked with God. You can't walk with God if you're not willing to obey God. We see that same definition of faith that we have up here on the board this morning played out again and again in Hebrews 11. Look at verse 7. Look at Noah. By faith. That is, by knowing who God was and what he said and then trusting God enough to do what God said because he was God. Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He did something. He didn't just know God and who he was and what he said. He prepared an ark. He trusted God enough to do what God said. For the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Again, know God, and you know what God said, and you do what God said. That is what faith is comprised of, but that makes you righteous. You want to stand righteous before God? That's how it's done. We see this over and over and over and over. If we went back and looked at the story of Noah in Genesis 6 and 7, we would see statements like Genesis 6.22 that says, Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. He didn't just know God. He didn't just know what God said, but he did what God said. If we went back and looked at that story of Noah, we would see in chapter 7 and verse 5 of Genesis, Noah did, according to all that the Lord commanded him. And finally, in Genesis 7, 1, the Lord said to Noah, I have seen that you are righteous. You see how righteousness is tied? That's the definition of righteous. Knowing him, knowing what he said, and doing what he said, and only what he said. You see, God said, you're righteous before me because Noah lived by our definition of faith right here. What about Abraham? Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. If we went back to Genesis chapter 12, we could read the story, but just move on with me here in Hebrews 11. Look at verses 17 and 18. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested... He did something. You know, when God told him to go up and offer his son, his only son, Isaac, he didn't just, Abraham didn't just say, I know who you are, God. Boy, I know what you said. Yep, sounds like a plan. And then turn and go about his business. That wasn't faith. Faith is not complete unless you do what God said to do because you love and trust God. 
We could spend the rest of the chapter going over all of these, and if you want to do that on your own time, that's fine. But they're all going to tell you the same story. Well, we've got to get across to people is what faith truly is. Because so many people today believe that faith is simply acknowledging that Jesus exists. Therefore, I have faith, thank God, heaven. I believe in Jesus. That's not faith. The demons know who Jesus is. And so, when folks come to understand what real biblical faith really and truly is, when they come to understand where it comes from and how it works, then the next step is, and this is so critical, especially when we're trying to teach new folks, the next step is, when you understand what faith is and how it works, you can only do by faith those things which are found, book, chapter, and verse in God's holy word. Do you hear me? You can only do by faith those things you can find in God's Word. You cannot do by faith in God those things that are found outside of God's Word because part of our definition of faith is learning what God said and then trusting Him enough to do what He said. If God didn't say do it, you can't do it by faith. In God. Say, well, okay, but why is that so critical? Because in order for us to be pronounced righteous, in order for us to be pleasing to God, we must learn who He is, what He said, and do it. So the question is, if anybody, and we all have probably friends and neighbors or can think of people who claim that they have faith, if one claims to believe the Bible is the word of the living God, and they therefore have faith in the fact that every little thing that we need to know and stand before him complete on judgment day is found in those pages, then, then here's the question we need to ask them. Then how on earth can you ever consider yourself as faithful or pleasing to God if you look in his word and you find the one church that's mentioned in the Word. And then you, you, you put that Word aside, and, and you reject that church that we find in His Word, and you forsake the assembly of that church that is found in His Word, to go and attend one that is never, ever, 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 ever once seen, mentioned, hinted at, or alluded to within these pages. How can you do that by faith when the definition of faith is learning what God said and doing what He said when God didn't say to do that? How can that be faith? If you know the answer to that question, raise your hand. Because I want you to explain it to me after services. Can't be done, can it? If you believe that every last little single individual thing we need to know and do in order to be saved and to stand perfect before God on Judgment Day is found within the pages of His Word, because His Word says that, then how on earth, how on earth 
Can you reject the spirit and truth worship practices which God commanded? Commanded within those sacred pages only go to go and practice those things in worship which are never found in his word. How can you, when God says sing, and he tells the whole church to sing, that's, that's something we can do by faith, right? Can we sing by faith? Yeah, because we can point to book, chapter, and verse where God said sing, right? Told the whole church, sing. Sing to one another. That's, that's Ephesians, Colossians, we know the verses. That you can do by faith, because faith comes by knowing God, learning what he said, and doing what he said. But how can you leave that to go somewhere where they add instruments that you can never find, they're not found anywhere in the New Testament church. No book, chapter, and verse, no, no hint, no indication, nothing. Well, if there's something that's not even hinted at, if there's something that's not mentioned, if there's just something that is totally, absolutely, God didn't say do, then you can't do it by faith. If you believe everything we need is in that book, just like it claims, everything we need to stand perfect before God, then how can you go and worship with a group that outright defies and rejects the very commandments which God put in Scripture in places like 1 Corinthians 14, 33-37? I have a little test. For any and all who think, and, and maybe we need to, to ask some of our friends who don't understand the full definition of faith, there's a little, here's a little quiz, maybe, that we ought to suggest in some form or fashion. Go take out the phone book, if you still have one. I know they're going the way of buggy whips, but stay with me here. Go get a phone book, or get on an internet search engine on your smartphone, and look up all the different religious organizations in your city or town. This is a good little quiz. People need to discover this on their own. Get in, get in a phone book, internet search engine, and go look up every religious group within three mile radius. Your city, your town, whatever. Okay? And then, take out a concordance or a computer program if you so desire and cross-reference all the occurrences of those churches that you find in the phone book, cross-reference them with Scripture. See which names of churches, or which designations of churches, or descriptions of churches, see which ones of those that are in the phone book in your town are also found in Scripture. In any church or worship practice which God did not mention in his word, book, chapter, and verse, must be discarded. Do you know why? Because you can't attend it by faith. Because you can only do by faith those things that God said to do by learning who he is, what he said, and then trusting him enough to do what he said because of who he is. That's faith. And if you can't find those other churches in Scripture... And you can't attend them by faith. Because God never said do that. That makes sense to everybody? So, if you can't attend them by faith in God, then 
God's not going to consider you righteous or pleasing to Him. Because what sets apart the righteous from the unrighteous, what sets apart the pleasing from those that don't please God, is simply whether or not they're doing it by faith. By knowing who God is, what He said, and then doing it. It's that simple. Now, I'm not trying to be harsh, rotten, judgmental. I'm just trying to show you what God said faith is. And brethren, I don't believe it's wrong, and I don't believe it's mean, and I don't mean, believe it's hateful to warn somebody who's headed for hell that they need to change direction. If that's unloving, I, I, I don't know anything. If one of my grandchildren ran out the door, church building where we were all attending worship, and it was after worship, and they headed out across the highway where the speed limit was 50, and one of you saw them and you did not love them enough to scream a warning, you don't love my kid, grandkids. I would not consider you mean for saving their life. Let's not consider it mean to save somebody's eternal life who's headed for destruction according to the Word of God. Because if you cross-reference all of those, you will find in Romans 16, 16, the churches of Christ greet you. That one is in both the phone book in the New Testament. This morning, if you're not a member of that church, if you've never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins as God requires, God never said to say a prayer of faith. You can't say that prayer to welcome Jesus into your heart by faith. You know why? Because God never said do it, so you can't do it by faith. That is one of the most messed up definitions I have ever heard. It is one of the most ironic things. It is called the prayer of faith, and there's no faith connected to God in any way, shape, or form by saying that thing, because you can't find in the book where it says to say that. And if you can't find in the book where it says to say that, then you can't do it by faith. But if you would do by faith what God said and be added to the church of Christ, that saved group that belongs to Jesus Christ, there's only one way to do that. You've got to hear the gospel. You've got to be willing to confess your sins. You have got to believe that gospel message. You've got to repent of your sins. And you've got to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of those sins. That's what puts you into that church. That one right there that I can find in the Bible, that one right there that I can be in by faith because I can find it in a book. Because there's going to come a day when the books are opened. If your name is not written on the register of that group of saved people, Revelation 20 addresses that. I want to be in that register. This morning, if you've never obeyed the gospel, never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, Please make your way to the front as we stand and as we sing and join the church. We see in the Bible the way we see them become part of that church in Acts 2, verses 31 through 47.